All right, day 385. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so Psalm 72. Psalm 72 is the last psalm in book two of the Psalms. So remember the Bible or uh, the Psalms are broken up into five books, right? And it corresponds to the Torah or the law, which is the first five books of the Bible. And so this, uh, the book of Psalms were meant for teaching and instruction similar to the way the law was, right? And so this correspondence here comes into full effect. And this is the last book of book two. So Psalm 72 is what we would call a royal or a kingship Psalm, right? And the title of the Psalm says that it is, uh, of and written by King Solomon. And essentially, it is a prayer, right, for most likely his own reign, but also for all of the reigns of the kings that would come behind him, right, that would succeed him. Recall that God made a promise to David in 2 Samuel 7 and 1 Chronicles 17 that he would always have a son to sit on the throne after him, right? And if we know biblical history, we know that that the Davidic kings reigned for 430 years, which was unparalleled in the ancient world. However, uh, their king got taken off the throne because of their sinfulness, and we had to wait for the Davidic king, the Lord Jesus. Anyway, so we have this psalm that would most likely be sung for the kings in Israel as they had their coronation ceremony, right? As they were being crowned and put upon the throne, this is the prayer that will be offered up for them for the type of reign that God and the people desire for them to have. So he starts off and says, yo, God, (laughs) give your justice to the king and your righteousness to the king's son. He will judge your people with righteousness and your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring well-being to the people and the hills righteousness. Verse four, may he vindicate the afflicted among the people, help the poor and crush the oppressor. First and foremost, He prays that the king would be just and righteous, right? That he would display the justice and righteousness of God to the people. And these are really broad categories um, in the Psalms and can't be like uh, super easily defined with one uh, simple definition. But the truth of the matter is this, that regardless of the glory and the royalty associated with the king, inherent to his justice was a care for the needy, the poor, and the oppress, right? And this was included in the concept of justice, right? And the concept of God's reign and rule, right? And I think the thing we need to realize is that as Christians, we can't speak properly of God's kingdom coming upon us and coming to bear upon this world if we aren't agents of justice, caring for the poor, caring for the needy, and caring for the afflicted. We see in this psalm that that has been a fabric of God's rule and reign from before uh, we even came, right? Before the reign of Christ even uh, took place on earth, this was a part of the kingdom of Israel and God's intention because God's, uh, the, the psalms will say in other places that justice and righteousness is the foundation of God's throne and so the king was to exercise that on behalf of god the second thing he sees or we see here is the prosperity right so he prays that this king's reign would be 
prosperous. We see this in verse three, verse six and verse 16. And he's going to use this agricultural imagery because they lived in an agricultural society. And the idea he's trying to get across here is not that uh, they would live their best life now, right? That they would have these material possessions and do it big and be on Instagram flexing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying um, the, the prosperity or the well-being would be a sense of peace, of shalom, of, of wholeness, right? Of them uh, having things work as God intended them to work according to his good design and them spiritually experiencing fulfillment in light of the king's rain and then he also asked in verse 15 that this rain wouldn't just be just and righteous that it wouldn't just be prosperous but it also would endure look at verse 15 may he live long <laughs> may gold from sheba be given to him may prayers be offered for him continually and may he be blessed all day long the endurance here of the throne of the king was indicative of the establishment of the throne of God, right? The endurance was indicative of the establishment of God's throne, right? In other words, what was signaled in the people's mind was the idea that if a king of David was on the throne, it represented and pointed to the favor, blessing, and rest that God provided for them, right? And so he'll speak further and say, verse 17, may his name endure forever as long as the sun shines. May his fame increase. May all nations be blessed by him and call him blessed. We even see at the end of that psalm that he couples the idea of, you know, the throne enduring with the nations coming to pay homage. Right. So there's this idea uh, that the nations as well, not just Israel, but the nations, the, the Gentiles, so to speak, will come and pay homage to the king of Israel. Right. All of these things are prayed for for this king. And finally, <clears throat> the reign of the king was supposed to have in light of all of this power and authority and glory. It was supposed to have this underlying sense of dependence. Right. The desire is that the king would always remain subservient to and dependent upon the divine king, right? The human king was to be dependent upon the divine king. How do we know this? Well, the structure of the song, right? The king is praying to God that he will bring this to fruition, right? It's not that, yo, I'm gonna turn to you, king. Hey, bro, I want you to do this, 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 and this. No, he's praying to God that he would see to it that this king does this in light of him. And recall at the beginning of the song, he asked for God himself to give his justice to the king. The request isn't that justice and righteousness will be mustered up out of thin air, but will be, will be received, right, from the one who is greater. And then lastly, he praises God at the end, right? He doesn't praise the king, right? Look at verse 18. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does wonders. Only God could establish this throne. Verse 19. Blessed be his glorious name forever. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Amen and amen. You know, the reality and irony is that if you read the books of first and second Kings, so we have David coming to the throne in, um, Second uh, Samuel, but we have, or First Samuel, excuse me, and and uh, his son coming to the throne, Solomon, at the beginning of Kings, right? First Kings, and the reality is, if you read First and Second Kings, it is 
terrible, right? It is terrible in the sense that the kings do not do any of this, right? They fail miserably. They're sinful. They're unjust. They don't lead the nation into prosperity. They are overruled by other nations, right? They didn't live dependent upon God in his own reign, right? So what does God do, right? In light of that, in light of his will being for the king to embody all of these things, you know what he does? He sends his son, right? He sends Jesus, right? Who was from the line of David at the fullness of time, born of a woman, born under the law to be the righteous king that his people need, right? Jesus is the one who the author of Hebrews will say remains in this office forever as this priest king based on the reality of his own resurrection and the prayer here that the king's throne would endure has been eternally answered and God has done for us what he has required of us, right? He has required for his people to have a king who is just and righteous and who would um, bring in this age of blessing, right? But the reality is we couldn't do it. And so God had to do it himself. And he does this by sending his son. Quick application. I didn't give a whole lot of application in this in this. Um, in this podcast, but one of the things I will say is that you know uh, every year around election time, and politics are good. I don't want to say anything bad about politics as a whole, right? I think politics are good for Christians to be engaged in, what have you. However, I think that one of the ways that Christ's kingship can bear practically in our lives is realizing that our hope is not in the reign or in rule of a politician, right? So, in other words, every single year. People on both sides believe this. They believe that that whoever is coming to office, whoever their candidate is, is God's appointed and anointed man to bring in an age of blessing. Right. And what the Bible is trying to tell you is that, no, that at the end of the day, there was one man who was anointed, who was the Messiah, the, the, the Mashiach, literally the anointed one who was and is God's appointed man, who came to bring in an age of blessing and prosperity like we talked about. And guess what we did? We killed him. (laughs) We killed him. We crucified him. And the beauty of that is, though, however, in God's good and manifold wisdom and mercy, that was the way he was going to bring about the blessing anyway through the king dying. And now he lives and reigns forever to teach us that our ultimate hope is in his reign, not in anyone else's, right? And so my prayer today is that we as servants would submit to his rule and his reign and pay homage to the king whose reign knows no end. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would just give us the grace to believe the truths of your word, that Jesus is on the throne now and forever and the this song will be true today we pray that this song will be true today and forever as it extends into eternity as we pay homage to the king and give you glory forever it's in christ's name we pray 